0: Amen. Amen. Good morning. Happy New, Year. Happy New Year. Who's a little sleepy? Just some of us. A little bit, honestly, right? I went to bed early. I did not stay up. I was like, you know what? That thing's gonna drop at midnight without me watching it. And so I watched the last of the game yesterday on my phone. Those great games last night, right? If you're a college football fan. And and then I tried to sleep amidst the firework burst in the neighborhood, right? It sounds like a, you never know, it's like Christmas, July 4th, it's like, or New Year's Eve, it's like, it sounds like a war zone outside. My dog was freaking out. He was like, my dog retired early too. My dog's a little skittish, right? He's, he's a greyhound mix, so, you know, greyhounds are a little skittish, right? And and he, as soon as he heard the first one, he was like, eh, I'm sitting, I'm turning in, Good night, y'all, I'll see you next year. I mean, like, he just went to the kennel. And, like, stayed there the rest of the night, and I came out this morning, and uh, I didn't even see him. Like, he was still in the kennel, you know, and he was like, is it? you know, and he poked his head out, and he's like, is it safe? And I'm like, I don't know, buddy. I can't determine that for you, because what I think safe and what you think safe is vastly different. But good morning welcome. My name is Tyler. i one of the pastors. So glad you guys are with us. Thanks so much for joining us online. We've got a study guide for you if you want to dive deeper on the way out. And you know, I was thinking about sports last night, and you know, it got me thinking like all the hopes and dreams, you know, of of your favorite team if you have one that happened to be playing last night or playing the last few days. Like, uh, sports is such a great metaphor for hope, isn't it? Right? There's always hope. Like, you know, there's always a chance. So you're saying there's a chance, right? Is is a is a very classic movie line? Uh, is uh, uh, was written a long time ago, but it got me thinking about hope, and you know, and I, and the World Cup just wrapped up and finished, and I remember just 2002 World Cup. If you remember back to that World Cup in South Korea and Japan, and the U.S. had this amazing run, this amazing run, and 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 me and my friends, we grew up playing soccer, so we were still playing soccer, like in a young adult league in Knoxville. And what was really fun was, well, actually, it was kind of hard because you had to work sometimes, right? But it was that the games would be on at like 1, 3, and 5 in the morning. And so the, I remember the US's first game was at 5 a.m. in the morning. And so, what do you do when it's not New Year's Eve and you have a soccer game that you want to watch? You stay up all night, right? So, like, we stayed up all night somehow, you know, and watched the soccer game, and the U.S. defeated Portugal, who was, like, one of the favorites and the fifth-best team in the world. And then I had to go to work. So I had to, like, leave and go shower and go to work, like, 12 hours straight with no sleep. And so, like, but I just remember, like, in Knoxville, soccer's gotten a lot bigger as the world has gotten smaller, right, because it's the, the world's sport in some ways. But what was fun was, like, that first game, it was this complete upset, and the U.S., the, the local paper had an article about it on the back page of the sports section, right? Back when there were these things called newspapers, right? And uh, does anybody ever read newspapers anymore? There you go. Someone said, nope. Someone said, yes. Okay, it's split. Okay, we've got a few, right? There's this thing called paper, right? I know, as, as I'm here writing my notes off an iPad, right, there's this thing called paper that we don't use anymore. Anyway, um, and then as the U.S., ended up winning their next few games and making it to the knockout stage or the Sweet 16, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, Slowly, their their story went from the back page of the sports section to the front page of the sports section, which is amazing. And then they, they won their Sweet 16 game against their hated rival, Mexico. And ended up playing Germany in the quarters, quarterfinals. And so now they're in the Elite Eight. And so you, and you see this, like, this wave of like patriotism and excitement and hope into this team that nobody cared about unless you cared about them. Make it all the way to the front page of the paper, right? And, and they lose a close game to Germany who goes on to play in the final. Um, But just remember, like, there's no way it could get any better, but like you hope upon hope, right? And that's what sports does. It's such an easy metaphor to say, I think it's going to be good. Like, I think something really could work here. And it's amazing to me how sports and in movies, too, if you're a movie fanatic, has so many stories that has so much hope wrapped up in them. And it resonates deeply, doesn't it? Because the reason is, is whether you have a lot of hope or a little hope or no hope, no matter where this, where that statement finds you this morning, is that we are all hardwired to be hopeful and to have hope. We are hardwired to have hope in our lives. And so... um, I'm going to give you some facts. We're going to be doing a, a series. Uh, it's called All in Hope. I think that's a great way to start the new year. What does it look like for us as a person, as a follower of Christ, as a people of Christ, to put, go all in, to use the poker term, on hope? Like to push our chips in, all in, on Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow as we were just singing. We're going to spend several weeks uh, just looking at different stories all throughout the scriptures and then pulling some practical things out that I think will be helpful for us as we have turned the page for 22 the 23. But here's some facts about the word hope in the scriptures. Uh, There are 11 Hebrew words for the word hope in the Old Testament. 11. 11. Hope such a big concept that in Hebrew they decided to make 11 words for it. But the interesting thing is, out of those 11 words, it is used 83 times in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? 83 times. I don't understand that math, because I'm not great at math, but 11 to get to 83, I don't know. Right? Here's something else interesting. There are five Greek words. So the Old Testament's uh, translated from Hebrew. New Testament's translated from the Greek. There are five Greek words for hope as well in the New Testament. And here's interesting. I said this a couple weeks ago, how cyclical the scriptures are. Want to guess how many times the word hope is used in the New Testament? 83, just like the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? That in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is a balancing of this idea of hope, even though there are different words that are used to express it. The noun hope, right? We often use it as a verb. I was talking about it as a verb. We use it as a verb and as a noun kind of interchangeably. The noun hope, the, word, the Greek word is the noun for the word of hope, is never used in the Gospels, Period period. It's not there. can't find it. And when you do find it, it's used as a verb, and it's only used five times in the Gospels. But yet, the idea of hope, this concept of hope, the thing that we want to talk about as we push all our chips in on hope, is that it permeates the Scriptures. Agreed? Right? We get it. It's always there. Probably, and there's a lot of famous verses on hope Probably the most famous verse on hope, the most quotable, it might be on your wall, it might be on your grandmother's pillow, you might have it tattooed somewhere on your body, I don't know, right? Some people do that, have this verse tattooed, but it's Jeremiah 29.11, are you familiar with it? Jeremiah 29.11, it says this, Is that's First Samuel 29.11, and that's not right at all, let me move that. She's going to throw it on the board for me because I put the wrong bookmark but anyway it says this for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord your translation might say says the Lord but he declares plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and what a hope familiar with that verse you've probably read it like have you ever had that moment where you're like I need some hope right now what do I need to do and then you google search and that's usually the first verse that pops up Jeremiah 29 11. well the interesting thing is is that we forget the context of Jeremiah 29.11. The context is, is that Israel has been kicked out by God of the promised land. They're now exiles in another country with no hope of going back. And matter of fact, the verse after 29.11, he tells them, you know what, you're going to be here for a while because you need to be here for a while. So after he says, I have a future and a hope, he says, live your lives where you are in the moment. But yet somehow even though they're probably not where they want to be, God is still telling them, I have a future and a hope for you. I have a future and a hope for you. And eventually we know that God allows them to make their way back home and reunite the kingdom, which leads us to a couple of truths. Number one, truth number one is in spite of your circumstances, wherever you are, you have a lot of hope, a little hope, or none at all. No matter where you are, uh, on, on the scale this morning, in spite of your circumstances, God has a future and a hope for you through a through a relationship. Excuse me, with Jesus Christ. Our future and our hope is secured in Him and in our relationship. And because of Jesus is our future and our hope is secure, no matter what you face, no matter what I face, no matter what we're going to face tomorrow, no matter what we faced yesterday as we turn the page for 22 to 23, no matter what our circumstances, is that you and I can be secure. Even if we're the most insecure person because we're hardwired that way or we're in the most precarious place we can imagine. Our Hope and future is secure in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And because hope is so important now more than ever, that's why we want to just take several weeks just to look at different stories and pull out the truths that I think we often overlook because we don't look at the context around Jeremiah 29 11s of the Bible. Right? And so three things I want you to consider as we turn to our main passage this morning uh, is this. As we look more broadly, we'll be more specific in the weeks ahead. But number one, hope is universal. Hope is universal. Everyone needs hope, and no one can live without hope for too long. Everyone needs hope, and no one can live without hope before too long. Romans 5 will be our first passage this morning, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. It'll be on your board, and I just want to read this over to you. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice. Here you go. You ready? We rejoice in what? In hope. Of the glory of God. And more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing it, that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character, here we go again, produces what? Hope. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been, been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Everyone needs hope, and no one can live without hope for too long. Everyone needs hope, and no one can live without hope for too long. And in verse 2, our hope, as I said just a second ago, verse 2, Paul's affirming, I think, this statement. Our hope is in not of ourselves, but in God's glory. Verse 2 says that just pretty clearly. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of Tyler, yourself, our church, our country, our government, the world. No, we rejoice in the glory of what? God. We rejoice in the glory of God. And that's what sets us apart hope than wishful thinking. I think a lot of times hope gets watered down in such a way that it's like, well, you know, I really hope the U.S. will advance uh, past the quarterfinals, or I really hope my team could defeat, you know, whatever team you were pulling for last night or the team that you wanted to lose, right? I had one that I wanted to lose. We were having this conversation this morning. It was really funny, but it was the you know, now oh, you should pull for your conference. I'm like, no, I don't like that team because that team's my rival and I don't have to pull for them, right? Jesus loves them, but I don't have to pull for them. You know what I mean? Right? It's hope is more than wishful thinking. Agreed? And the reason it is, is because God is not a wishful thinking God. He's not a wishful thinking God. People walk around so frustrated. I walk around so frustrated sometimes, but our hope is in God's glory because of things. he never frustrates those who hope in him. He might bring us through some things, but he never frustrates those who hope in him. Verses 3 and 4, before we get to the characteristics that verses 3 and 4 look at, we have to embrace something, and it says this. We rejoice in, more than that, after we hope in the glory of God, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now what does suffering have to do with hope? What does suffering have to do with hope? And it's this. The biggest threat to our Christian walk and our growth as a follower of Christ is suffering. And it's not in the way that you think. It's the fact that we avoid suffering at all cost. We avoid suffering at all costs. The biggest threat to my walk and your walk and my growth and your growth and our growth as a church is We want to actually pull away from suffering instead of actually stepping into it and embracing the suffering that God has for us. There's a difference between frustrating and God putting us in a place to suffer, to grow us, to be more like him. There's a difference, which leads us to truth number two. If you want to become what God wants you to become, if we want to become what God wants us to become, if we want to become the church that God wants us to become, because here's the deal. If we're going to become something, that means we're not what we were Yesterday, And that's no more clear than on January 1st, 2023. Agreed? What we want to be right now, what we want to be tomorrow, doesn't have to be what we were yesterday. Right? And if we want to become what God wants us to become, suffering will, want, not maybe, not if, it will be a part of it. Because without suffering, we cannot produce the characteristics that I'm going to read in just a second because it begins with our willingness to, to embrace the suffering for his kingdom and for his purposes. And we can never do that if we don't hope in his glory. If I hope in my glory or your glory or some other kind of glory, then we can never produce the characteristics. And here's the characteristics. I love this. We look at suffering as something that wastes our time and our effort, but actually it does this instead. Verse three, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, can endure without suffering, because what is it to endure from? Can't have character without endurance. Can't have character that produces hope. And hope, I love this, just this affirming statement that Paul is writing. He says, "Hope does not put us to shame, because God love, God's love has been poured into our hearts." The world, Satan, would want us to think that suffering produces shame, when it's actually, it actually reveals the shame. And God says, "I love you anyway," and He removes the shame from our lives. He removes the shame in our lives. And one reason I think that I struggle with hope, or maybe you struggle with hope, is that I put my hope in something else besides God and I have other options on the table that are fleeting and are going away. Right? Just think about that for a second. When you think about something recent where you were maybe at your lowest moment. Right? Where you put in your hope in God or in something else that, or that he would fix something. Sometimes God doesn't fix us, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. God doesn't fix the things in our lives because he wants to use the things in our lives to form us to be more like him. And so one reason we don't have enough hope in our lives is because we are unwilling to suffer for it. I said it. True. I think it's true. Because we're unwilling to suffer for it. Paul is very clearly saying actually the suffering is what produces all the things that we want anyway. And when we don't suffer, we leave other options on the table. And we rob ourselves of the relationship that God has paid everything for. Right? God has paid everything for a relationship to be with you and with me. And I leave little room for something else to fix it or to make this come true. Or I really hope that this happens. And God's like, well, you're supposed to hope in me. Like, I've done everything. I've paid the, the ticket. I've paid the ticket. But that's number one, hope is universal, and that touches every one of us. Agreed? Number two, hope is personal. Hope is personal. Romans 15 says this just a few pages later, starting in verse 13. Hope is universal. Hope is personal. It's on the board. You're waiting for me. It's okay. I love this. Paul again, just picking up this idea of hope, May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and in peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, excuse me, you may abound in hope. Anything else that's outside of God is not hope. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be finances, it could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be an identity, it could be a trait, it could be athletic. I don't know. All those things. All the things that we love, right? All the things that we cheer about. All the things we get wrapped up in these stories. It's not God. God is the source of of all hope because God at his core lives and is hope. Because God's kind of hope leads to all joy and peace for you personally. Isn't that great? Not only are we hardwired for hope to all have that need. God is such a big God that he can give you and me exactly the hope that we need in the moment simultaneously all at the same time. Which is redundant. But he does. Right? At the same time. And he does it via the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, you and I can abound in hope. And the Greek word, I love this, the Greek word for abound means that there is more than enough when given. Right? So, just taking the definition of that word is this, is that God actually just doesn't give a little hope. He doesn't give a hope just for a moment. He gives us hope so that we could just get through, not just get through our current circumstances, but He could also give us hope to abound in that, to go beyond that. He over gives. Right? Now, how does that, what does that make sense? Because sometimes I'm in real need, right? We have real needs. We have real things that are going on in our worlds. And there are times where we don't feel like we have hope. But actually, Paul's saying, actually, no, he overblesses in hope. He overblesses. And yet we leave these little things on the table, these little ideas so that, well, in case God doesn't come through, maybe I could take and grab it for myself. God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us more than we need in the moment, which leads us to truth number three. Truth number three. God gives each of us personally a hope that is more than our current problems. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God, the God of the universe, can give you more hope that is greater than your current set of problems? I do. And sometimes that means he doesn't alleviate what I'm going through. He doesn't remove it. But he does because that's who he is. He can't not do that because that is who he is. God's hope that is available to you and me in the spirit, in relationship, is more than the broken relationship that you have, more than that sickness that you have, more than that financial issue, that job, that job you want, the job that you don't want. Most importantly, trying to work our way to God too. It's more than all of that. And yet we say, and I get caught in this trap too. We get caught in this trap because we live day-to-day lives trying to redo yesterday when we can't, right? And we say, God, if you'd only just do this, it'd be great. And then tomorrow we'll have another, you know, there'll be another trip around the sun. and We'll find ourselves right back where we are. Right back where you are. But God is saying, no, there's a better, better Better, better way. A better, better, better way. God gives us, each of us, personally, a hope that is more than our circumstances. Because when we allow God to be our hope, He gives us vision to see that we are not boxed in or ultimately declared or identified by the circumstances or problems that are before us. That's what happens. He re- he, he reframes, he changes our gaze, he 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 clarifies our path. And yet we walk around. I do this too, right? We get in the business of life. We have all the things. And I'm like, gosh, God, where, where are you? I can't, I can't see you right now. I can't feel you right now. And he says, actually, you don't have to because I feel you. I've come to you. You don't have to come to me anymore. Because I'm the God of all hope. I've done everything for you. God knows exactly what kind of hope you and I need to meet the problems we face. Praise Lord. Because I don't. And there are moments where like people are looking at me like, what do you think? And I'm like... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to make it through too, right? You, get, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, you, like, what are you supposed to do with it? I don't know. Like, and I think that's the most freeing is when we say, no, actually, I've come to the end of myself. But God, I can never become to the end of you because you're eternal and you live outside of time and you're all these things. And yet I trade you for all these little things. I trade you for all these little things. This brings us to point number three. Hope is eternal. Hope is universal, hope is personal, and then finally, hope is, is eternal. And the main reason we have hope bigger than our problems is because we have a hope that we believe in is eternal. Titus 1 says this, we're, I know we're bopping all around this morning, but Titus 1, chapter 1, verse 2 says this, I'm going to read it, it says this as soon as I find it, there it is, here you go, in the hope of... Paul, again, writing. Paul, It's interesting, the idea of hope gets advanced more by Paul's writings, and Paul's most criticism is that he's the hardest New Testament writer. He's not loving, but yet he advances hope in a way that the other writers don't. Because I've been quoting Paul all morning, but Paul says this in verse 2. Writing to Titus, and he says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promises before the ages began, The knowledge of the truth, right? He's writing that. The knowledge of truth, the hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began. I just love that language because it is promised by God who never lies before you and I ever stepped foot on the planet. We think we have to earn hope. We think we have to orientate ourselves around the hope. All we have to do is say, God, actually the hope that you give, the plan that you have me on, the life that I am living, for better or for worse, the things that I'm struggling with, you have... Predestined for me before I ever step foot on the planet. And Numbers 23 says this, because God never lies. Amen. God never lies. And I love this verse in verse 23. Let me put my finger there. 2319 says this. This is around Balaam, right? So if you know that guy, Balaam, the, the false God, you know, and the oracles and all this. And it says this in 19, God is not man, thank goodness, that he should lie, or son of man, that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Now, hope is not there. But who God is, once he makes up his mind, he makes up his mind. And what I want to say to you this morning is that he has made up his mind about you. He has made up his mind about you that you were loved and that he would do anything and has done everything to love you and to give us the hope that goes well beyond just our current circumstances. So this is what I love about who God is, is that who he is, is this. He is a God that just doesn't give me hope for the moment when I need today or tomorrow, that his hope will continue on and on and on in the future. Which brings us to our final verse this morning, back in Titus chapter 3. In verse 7, he says this. You want to bet there's hope in this word, in this verse? Actually, I don't remember, but we'll find out. So that being justified, Paul again, justified by grace. Notice that in, with, when we've been talking about hope, we've talked about justification and faith and God's glory. Just how these themes are all wrapped up around this idea. And he says, as I find it, it? there it is. So that being justified by grace, we might become heirs according to what? The hope of eternal life. The hope. Hope is universal, it's personal, and it's eternal. And we are heirs justified by Christ according to what? Hope. Hope should dominate our lives. Hope should dominate our decisions. Hope should dominate how we relate to one another. Because the same hope that God gives us to face our problems is the same hope that eternally makes us heirs, which leads us to the last truth for today. And it's truth number four. It is by hope and through hope we inherit the kingdom of Christ. It is by hope and through hope we inherit. The kingdom of Christ, and there is no other hope in yourself or the world or someone else that'll get us there. None. It is by hope that we inherit and become co-heirs. So, I did not define hope for you, but in every verse we've looked at this morning, it's, I've used the, it's the hope that uses the same word. It's a Greek word called elpis. It's the same word, and it's similar. what I was saying earlier, it means to have an expectation of good things. Similar to the word abound, they're related, but they're not. It's to have an expectation of good things. So the question I want to ask you this morning is this. The good news is that, one, that God knows the hope that you need and that I need, right? On day one of 23, our first day around this new trip around the sun, we know that God knows exactly the hope that you and I need and that It is a hope that is defined as the expectation of good things, no matter what our current circumstances are. The expectation of good things. And so if you believe in Jesus, your confidence in eternal salvation is secured, which also means, here we go, right? The band's going to come back up. It also means that the current circumstances that we find ourselves in if your eternal life is secure, don't miss this this morning. If you know Jesus is your eternal Savior, means that you have a secure expectation that the circumstances that is trying to rob you of your hope, you will be secured from one day. See that? It's all wrapped up in security. That's what hope is. It is the blindest blanket that you and I should be living our lives by. That we have an expectation that God will not just give us the hope for today, but the hope for the rest of our lives. And that we we are secured from the things that are trying to rob us of the very hope that we need to press in and to walk in with clear eyes and full hearts. And so as we turn our attention to the new year, we do this, right? We bring things from yesterday into today. Agreed? Right? We can't help but do that. We're temporal people. I wish it wasn't that way, but we do. We bring things in from yesterday and today. And we'll undoubtedly carry them in from today into tomorrow. And so what I want you to do is I want you just to suspend a few moments confessing to God, just quietly at your seat, what those things are. What is the thing that you're carrying in from last year, yesterday? into this morning saying, God, I don't know where you are in the middle of this, but I need you to show up, just spend a few minutes there, or a few seconds there, as the band plays over. What are those things? Okay, we should have them. We got them. At least one. There's probably more than one, right? There's always more than one. You ever notice that? Now I want you to say, God, I confess that this thing I'm carrying from yesterday and today is trying to rob me of my hope. Just just say that quietly to him in the spirit. He's trying to take this from me. It's trying to rule my life. It's trying to run my life. It's trying to run my relationships. And now I just want you to declare something quietly to yourself. I am secure. because the God of all hope left heaven and became a man and never took off the moniker and the identity as the God of all hope. And then he took your place and my place and went to the cross and died in shame so that you and I don't have to live in shame. Because that's what Satan wants. Is for us to live in shame and that we can't trust God. And I declare to you that whether he fixes it or he doesn't, you and I are secure in the hope that God abounds. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing in response, but I just want to pray over us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you talk about hope 83 times in the Old Testament and you talk about hope 83 times in the New Testament because it takes something like that to be so clear to get through someone as dull as me. What you do is not a mistake. How you levy and leverage hope in our lives is not a mistake. And yet we find ourselves in those in-between spaces where we ask God, where are you? What are you up to? I don't know if I could trust you even though you're trustworthy and you've done everything but yet I'm not so sure about this thing and then you say I've got it it's okay and then you say not only have I got it it's okay I've done it so God I just wanted to clear whatever that thing was that we confessed to you just a moment ago whatever the thing is that we're just holding on, like, guys, I just want you to move. I want you to act. God, you've got it, and you've done it. And you will see it through in our lives. So as we look to 23, I pray that today, starting today, in this moment, in this space, that this year, today, won't be just on repeat and shuffle from last year and yesterday. And then as we sing, as we step away from this place, as we press in, as we get back to our lives, as the holidays have interrupted them, we get back to normal schedule, may we not be normal. Let us not live normal lives. Let us not live normal lives how we have lived them in the past. But let us abound in the hope and for your glory because that is the thing that is eternal. The problems we face, the things we struggle with, are temporal, that God, do you stand infinite and powerful and strong and mighty, and the God over all those things. And so as we sing, may we worship you as such. Jesus, have your way. It's in your name. Amen.